Hello and welcome to episode one of C Positive, Be Positive, the podcast with your host, Greg Osler. I hope you hear something today that reminds you that you are strong and you can do hard things. For this very first podcast, I want to introduce myself. I want you to be able to see from my perspective who I am, why I do what I do, and why I love doing what I'm doing. I want you to see a little bit from my eyes of where I come from, what makes me me, but also what makes me grow. What do I do each day and what do I do with my life and my experiences that really pushes me in the direction that I'm going with the work that I do? And that's where my story begins, kind of. I'm a therapist. I'm the kind of therapist that jumps into the awkward conversations. I'm the kind of therapist that loves talking about emotions, really talking about anything all day long. I'm the kind of therapist that loves listening to other people talk, share their stories, their experiences. I'm the kind of therapist that will support you through the sad and frustrating experiences in life. And I'm the kind of therapist that will sit with you when you brag about your success. I'm the kind of therapist that will lay it all out there until you've made some terrible decisions in life. And I'm also that therapist that will sit with you and brainstorm ways to keep moving forward. I'm a therapist in working in mental health. I'm licensed as a clinical social worker, a clinical addiction specialist, and a certified advanced substance use disorder counselor. None of that really means much. Because my lens is not necessarily the title I hold, but rather the opportunities that I have to tell people they've messed up but I help them get their discomfort and vulnerability out in the open. While I do all these things, I also must share that I'm the therapist who also struggles to understand how to appropriately manage my emotions, my feelings, my experiences. I'm teaching people, I'm instructing people, I'm supporting people all day, every day in their battles. And I'm that therapist that has to be reminded to take care of myself. I'm the therapist that has to be reminded to turn that mirror backwards, reflect on myself and my own journey. And like each of us, I too am working hard to figure out this tricky part of life we call mental health. There are many podcasts out in the world, each with a unique message or purpose. And I selfishly, have chosen to create a podcast to get my thoughts and feelings out without the requirement of a face-to-face interaction with a therapist. In society, there's such a curious stereotype and taboo associated with mental health and needing support from others in order to identify and navigate emotions and experiences, the stress and the overwhelm, substance use and behavioral addictions. We live in a triggered state of mind, telling ourselves we want to be normal Well, we're listening to a very diverse world where each of us handles emotions and stress very differently, pinning the social constructs of normalcy and the right way to be and behave on what we see. We're doing this to ourselves. Yeah, society has an incredibly powerful way of influencing us each day, whether it's kind of driving us to what we eat and drink, what we wear, how we look and where we work. There's so much social pressure that we have a really difficult time figuring out what is us and what is everything else. So 
While I share my story and my powerful desire to share that story, I must begin with a little bit of childhood sharing why I feel such a strong drive to produce a podcast and put myself out there in the world. I want to help you understand how truly broken I am. And it all begins with family. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, surrounded by my loving family and incredibly supportive friends with a beautiful landscape of the Wasatch Mountains. I had endless opportunities to have fun and explore my world. I grew up in a world where we could play outside. We were encouraged to go outside because it was safe. We didn't have the distractions that that society has today, no cell phones, no social media, no video games. I grew up very simple. I grew up with a family that taught me to be adventurous and always remember to be curious. I'm the third of four boys, and in a family with brothers, my parents had to be powerful, and my mom's an incredibly powerful woman. She made sure we knew each day just how truly powerful she is through her love and connection to each of us. My parents are strong. With role models like mine in the home, I learned how to love others and give back. As brothers, we were inseparable. We loved spending time together, and we were also very different growing up. And now each of us leads a very different life as adults. My family loves hard, and we never let opportunity to connect and be present together pass us by. And when we know that life is not always pleasant, our life seemed pretty great. I learned that when life is feeling pretty great, though, Life surprises us with obstacles and challenges challenges us to be strong, brave, and dedicated to finding a way through. When we love hard, we lose love hard. And when love is ripped away, the darkness ensues and it becomes difficult to see any way of moving forward with optimism and hope. The light in life dims, and at times it's even extinguished. I certainly never thought I was invincible though at times I tried to convince myself that I was pretty darn close. I didn't have much, if any, experience with difficult trials in life. I had a pretty good life. And I was reminded of how precious life is and how we truly don't control or decide when it's time to have certain experiences in life. My experience with this was not a gentle nudge reminding me of this concept. It was a volcano of confusion and disbelief. And this is where the journey of struggle and fight truly begins for me. I want to introduce you to a very special angel friend of ours, a young man who gives me reason to keep breathing, a reason to keep believing in hope and love and life, and a reason to live fully in every moment and never look back. Paul is forever a 15-year-old young man with brown hair and brown eyes, the cutest freckled face and a love for adventure and a smile that truly changed the world. Paul is my best friend and my younger brother. And Paul lives on in memories and moments. I could talk about Paul for days, tell you how amazing he is, and we don't have time in this episode for that. However, he'll accompany us on this journey. He, will, he is definitely worth getting to know, and I want to share him with you. When I was 17, my life ended. 
I had an opportunity to say goodbye and I pushed the prompting and thought aside and I've regretted it for 15 years. I remember the sequence of events like it just happened. And I feel compelled to share that. My memory is incredibly vivid during the week of Paul's death. Though there are bits and pieces that I cannot recall. I can walk through each step of what I remember and feel it all over again. Every emotion, every frustration, every tightening muscle I can relive. While I can recall what I saw, I cannot remember all the words that were said, the people that were there, or truly comprehend how I made it through that week, how my family made it through that week, and how I'm still here to tell this story. As I reflect on my childhood and share how amazing my family is, I've come to realize that I have talked about my story over the past 15 years. And I remember the week of Paul's death much more clearly than I remember the past week of my life just this week. And of note, as I think about my life prior to Paul's death, I don't recall any memory that does not have Paul in it. I know I was not always with Paul. But I have been told of experiences we had and times I've spent with with my friends. And if Paul's not connected somehow, I do not remember any detail of it. I've been trying to figure this out for many years, and I would love any information any of you have on this matter. I remain curious. And not to leave you wondering what happened the week of Paul's death, I will get into those details as I dig deeper into this podcast. While maintaining the quiet dignity and reverence Paul, our family, and our experience deserves, details of that event of Paul's death are going to be withheld at this time. I experienced an immediate disconnect to the life I knew and the life I would begin living after Paul's death. While we were surrounded by loving friends and family, I felt lost. I learned what it was like to feel alone in a sea of people, unable to hear others or sit through simple conversations. I had trouble concentrating. I felt uncomfortable and unsafe in my own home. I felt unsafe in the environment where all my memories were created because the world I knew was gone. The curious tragedy that ensued is that people who cared about me came out of the darkness. People I, don't, I didn't know cared about me. Or maybe even people I didn't even realize knew me were there to sit and simply listen. Being present is a vital role of bystanders, looking in on the struggle associated with loss and making sense of life moving forward. While I was navigating the changes grief required, I wasn't looking for people, companionship, or friends. I was looking for the answers to the unimaginable questions that came to me in time of crisis. I was searching for the why. The why me? Why Paul? Why my family? Why now? I wanted to know why. And I was encouraged to let people into my life, into my bubble, and to let people provide whatever support they were able to because I didn't need to be alone 
even if that's all I wanted. I don't necessarily believe in coincidence or fate, but I do believe in running with life and being aware of what life gives us. In a time when I was struggling to find safety and familiarity, I was given an opportunity to create it by allowing an unsuspecting friend to become part of my life. When I thought life was dark and hopeless, when I couldn't see much of anything in front of me, we found joy and laughter. We found connection and belonging. By being aware and willing to give her all, she saved me when I didn't have the strength to endure. The connections we form during the challenge and struggles in life become the reason we make it out in the end. Having the perseverance and patience to do hard things will stick with us. Grief and loss truly changes us. The trauma of life's experiences rips us open and leaves us raw, requiring us to rely upon self-determination and a will to thrive in chaos as a means of protecting ourselves. Overcoming these traumas becomes the reason to never give up. It becomes the purpose behind waking up day after day, only to gain a greater awareness of the loss to be experienced and the reality that life will never be the same. The inner turmoil we experience in grief is supported through the facade and ignorance of others' discomfort and uncertainty of how they can truly provide encouragement and love during these times of great struggle. I'm confident that people mean well when they provide support and condolences. Unfortunately for me, more often than not, the impact of statements often used, you know, those ones, the I'm sorry for your loss, I know how you feel, he was a great person. They did not, in fact, provide validation, but rather disregard and dismissal for the reality of my unique experience navigating heartache and pain. My expression of this truth in my life may be ignorant in and of itself, and that is the blessing of this being my experience and not the universal takeaway from the world in which we live. And while I say all this, I do not have an appropriate replacement for that support that people can provide, as each person in their own experience needs something different. As I have searched for an answer to my own question of what's appropriate for grief and loss, what support do people truly need, the phrase that comes to me most often is not words, but rather the simplest offering of personal connection, the willingness to sit, the willingness to be in silence, the silence that accompanies the experience of loss. Silence is oddly a motivator for words because of the discomfort because of that awkward silence that we all know all too well, we want to fill it with nothing but words. No meaning, no real intent. We want to fill it because it's awkward. And while silence tends to be the motivator for words, silence truly deserves to be an invitation for introspection and reflection. Remembrance for the valor of a life well lived. Silence gives space to grief and allowing the thoughts and feelings to take place in the hearts of the suffering. The silence doesn't need to be long, but that silence also does not need to be filled. Grief is often identified by five stages of an experience. We look at those as denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Research has shown for many years that these stages are experienced in that order. We start with denial. Once we've denied enough, we jump to anger. We're frustrated. 
We don't want things to happen. We start bargaining. We want things to be, to be back the way they were. We then fall into a depression, a withdrawal. Desire for that connection to be back and because we can't have it, we get stuck in trying to be alone with our thoughts. And magically, somehow, that depression, that lull, that, that darkness turns to acceptance. Acceptance of the fact and the reality that it will never be the same. The fortunate part about the individualized nature of this life is that our personal walk through loss and grief may not match that of another suffering individual. And each stage will look different for each and every one of us. Within my own experience, the five stages have been more of a glob or goopy mess of emotion with glimpses of emotions, confusion, and resistance in the form of denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance in some order. The stages you experience may be identical or drastically different. They are the stages of your experience. Through the journey of grief, a critical flaw in the perspective of a traumatic loss or experience is that, quote-unquote, moving forward, overcoming, and getting over the emotions associated with our experience is often thought of as a concept of the passage of time. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard comments about me doing my grieving process wrong. People will make comments like, you're still sad about that? Ooh, hasn't it been like 10 years? I didn't struggle that long. And when are you going to move on? Unfortunately, that's not how grief works. And that is certainly not how trauma works. There are countless books based on trauma and grief and even stress that explore this concept and have provided greater depth to the reality that grief changes us. Trauma changes us. And we are structurally, neurologically, and physically different after we experience crisis. We have to rewire our minds to create the new normal. We have to develop new habits and routines and fit our experiences into the already chaotic lives we each live, every day filled with responsibility and the need to show up for the world around us. We must show up for the world around us even when we don't feel like we can show up for ourselves. We must take time to pause, reflect, and make a conscious effort to give back to ourselves in time of need. People are going to be there. People are going to try. People are going to make their greatest attempt at giving us the support we need when we struggle. And time creates a challenge for us because we're required to be the best that we can be right now for the world, even when we have difficult time being the best we can for ourselves. We must be passionate. We must be compassionate. We must be good to ourselves right now so that we can run into the overwhelm. And we can be as prepared as we can to fight and remain steadfast when the world tries to knock us down. Take the time it takes so it takes less time. Be real with you. Be soft and allow yourselves the time you need to be present in your grieving to navigate the loss and remember to breathe. We are all trying. It's okay to make mistakes and stumble and break down. We're all struggling and no one has it all figured out. 
So don't worry about it. For every mistake, never stop learning. For every fall, just keep getting up. Don't be discouraged because this season of your life where everything seems to not add up will eventually unfold beautifully for you. There are more quotes like that one that give us opportunity to reflect, that give us opportunity to truly understand where we're at, how we're navigating, and what we need. There's definitely a lot that I'm reminded of as I've shared this so far. And we often look at identity and who we are from the outside perspective. What do we look like? How do we sound? How do we dress? What kind of car do we drive? I already identified that Paul was had brown hair, brown eyes, cute freckle face, and a smile that would light up the world. Paul was also incredibly passionate, incredibly dedicated, and unstoppable. I am Greg. I am passionate. I am dedicated. I am unstoppable. And I am broken. I am broken because of life's experiences. And I'm a fighter. I will never give up. I will never surrender. Because of the experiences that I've had. I know that each of you have that similar identity. I know each of you can explore who you are, where you come from, what makes you you. And I want to encourage you to dig deep. I want to encourage you to stand up to mental health, personal well-being, the ability to look forward to the journey that you live. I want to thank you for joining us today on See Positive, Be Positive, the podcast. And I want to encourage you to reflect on what you've heard today. I want to challenge you to think of someone in your life who you think would benefit from our message. We can share light with others. Let your smile change the world.